Welcome to the Inside Events Podcast by Swapcard, the leading virtual, hybrid, and in-person event platform. Inside Events is your go-to podcast for fresh insights from the world's top event professionals. Here are your hosts, Julius, Mia, and Bob from Swapcard. Good afternoon, marketing and event professionals, and welcome to the Inside Events Podcast powered by Swapcard. I'm so excited to welcome another great episode of All Things Marketing, Events, and Engagement. Once again, I'm your host, Bob Chain, the Strategic Account Manager here at Swapcard to navigate the exploration into all things events, marketing, and hybrid. This week, we are mixing things up a little bit, and I'm so excited today to not only be joined by an esteemed guest, but by two guests and additional Swapcardians, our content director, Mia Masson, and the one and only Julius Solaris. Mia, I know that you've been heavily involved in the Inside Events podcast from behind the scenes, so it is really exciting to have you as a co-host moving forward. How are you doing today? Thanks so much for that great intro, Bob. That's really sweet of you. I'm super excited to be here with Haley, with you, and with Julius. This is like a dream come true, so thanks for having me. Now, my second host is someone who needs no introduction and has recently been making all of the media rounds within the industry, Mr. Julius Solaris. Now, Julius, I'm sure you are very excited to talk in-person events finally today. Yeah, I couldn't wait to be on this amazing podcast. And Bob, you're such a great host. But, you know, I guess enough with the self-congratulating. I cannot wait to speak to Haley here because we've got so much coming up. And that's a great way to shift to the reason why we are all here today. I'm so thrilled to introduce our guest, Haley Haggerty, who is the Group Events Director at Informa Markets, as well as the host of her own podcast, In Case of an Invent. Haley is at the forefront of planning an incredible in-person experience for this fall, expecting to have around 30,000 attendees participating. Haley, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's a pleasure to have you know, coffee with you this morning and to chat live events, finally. Exactly. And I know that we spoke on a very high level of the work that you are doing to planning for this event, but could you maybe provide a little more complex or on your background as well as, you know, really what you're focusing your time on with planning these experiences for the fall? Yeah, sure. So I've actually worked with Informa or UBM formerly for over a decade, working in different departments across different portfolios from aviation to food ingredients to pharma and I landed in engineering so I look after some of our engineering events within Informa Markets and of course like everyone else we pivoted to virtual for the last 12 months we went all in we had a successful year as as successful as you, you could have and yeah we're just getting ramped up to begin our live events starting in August actually this year so We're actually beginning our live event cycle with our largest event, which takes place in Anaheim, which is our Informa Markets Engineering West event. And we are on the cusp of really going live, working with the state, working with the government and making sure that we're ready for putting on a safe and awesome event. So we're going to be working alongside our convention centre partners to make that happen. We really are just changing from the look and feel of a hybrid even or virtual to focus on providing that safe and successful event on site. We've just recently got um, 
I guess, the green light to go ahead with Anaheim. California's opening on June 15th. So that's great. What that means for live events and large-scale events, our events 30,000 people, it means that with the California regulations, we'll actually be working with the state government to provide records of vaccination, records of testing within 72 hours to allow people to go into the convention centre, do business with the exhibitors. And yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. So we really just recently found out that's how California are really, that's how they're dealing with the capacity issues, the health and safety issues around COVID. They're not necessarily saying there's a capacity. There's going to just be the need to have your vaccine record or your testing record negative to be able to, to go ahead and enter the convention center. Haley, that is so exciting to hear. I'm, I'm really excited for you and I'm sure the rest of the industry, our, our listeners, are just as excited to, to see these developments. It's good news, right? So, I mean, such a big in-person event happening, you know, this year already, that's pretty tangible. It's the foreseeable future. So I know I'm really curious to find out from you. Are you expecting international attendees among these 30,000 people that are going to pitch up? Or is it mostly a local, regional mix that you're expecting? Yeah, good question. We're actually going to be expecting the regional mix. Um, Maya, so... It is a large international and national event, but a lot of the engineering and the med tech and the automation and the robotics and the innovation actually comes from California, hence the reason why we've hosted the event there for over 30 years now. So we do anticipate that shift of more regional people who perhaps would have went to another show outside of California to just drive to our event in Anaheim um, so I, I think that will definitely be something we'll see different this year. And we've been really lucky. We actually ran our live event in February last year. And now we're going to run our live event in August. I don't know how many event portfolios we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to be able to run our largest event in 2020 and 21. If you're planning a hybrid event and don't know where to start, you've come to the right place. SwapCard's latest report, Hybrid is Now, is full of free advice and helpful tips on how to run a successful hybrid event. Get access to never-before-seen research from over 360 event professionals. Learn more about where the industry is headed in the near future. Go to swapcard.com forward slash event hyphen resources and download our Hybrid is Now report today. Soon enough, you'll become an expert on hybrid strategy too. Looks like you got it 100% of, uh, you know, scheduling the right perfect timing for that. Haley, I guess you mentioned that you were on time to get last year's edition before the shutdown and lockdown everywhere. But how is this show going to be different from before? How is this show going to be? Uh, is there going to be any change, obviously, with the pandemic in terms of the experience? on the show floor, on the convention center, on the NM convention center. Yes, there's going to be lots of different changes and updates for the better, just to make sure that while we keep with the guidelines of the, the county and the, the California government, that we also make sure that we, we are safe with our customers and our attendees. So we'll be looking at the food and beverage options, how we 
utilize more snack boxes for a conference, which I hate to say box lunches at a convention center. That would put me off going, but I think that we were going to have to deal with the food and beverage for our large conference delegate numbers. We'll have over a thousand conference delegates coming to the show for the actual education and classroom. Um, we're looking at one-way aisles still, so making sure that the flow of the attendee um, through the show floor is consistent and easy to navigate. Of course, we're looking at social distancing, but actually, come August, that might look different to what we're planning and used to now. So we're all used to that six feet, and I don't believe that's probably what's going to be the number for August. So whether... When we're working with the Anaheim Convention Centre, you show your card that you're vaccinated, everyone's vaccinated or negative. There might be less restrictions on social distancing, so maybe that looks like three feet. Um, I don't believe people are ready (laughs) to be rubbing shoulders with each other, so it might be more of a perception thing than actual safety at that point, which is just as important sometimes. So that will be something that we'll be working towards, but... It's hard to figure out right now because the restrictions are six feet. So that'll be something that I'm sure will change over the next couple of months. That's very interesting. I could question the fact that that people are not ready by looking at what's happening here at Vegas in the casinos. But Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. know. I'll have to go to Vegas to see. Probably in the business environment, it should be slightly different. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll be doing a lot of asking questions to our attendees before they get on site, giving them the communication as well, what's happening, how we're actually, you know, providing a safe event for them. But also, what are your comfort levels? What would you not like? What would you be hopeful to see? So we can really gauge, like I said, their comfort levels when they get to the live event. Because I can only imagine this might be one of their first back large-scale events. So I think we'll have to be careful with that balance. Uh, I forgot to mention masks. Of course, that will be something we'll be wearing. We'll all be wearing masks for probably the end of the year. Now, Haley, while organizing the in-person event for this fall... Are there really any consistent themes or common requests that your audience and attendees and potentially your partners are asking for you or your organization when beginning to really focus on this in-person experience? That's a good question, Bob. They're just asking for communication, more communication than we've done before. So we were fortunate to be part of a large group of organizations, whether it's our competitors and as well as associations and companies like Freeman, GES and the convention centers. And we all put together an all secure document that's actually very great and detailed guidelines of how we are going to as a company and also as an industry how we're going to move forward to these safe and great events so we have got that document it's everywhere within every website within Informa and we do communicate to our customers that any changes that we're making things are changing on a daily basis in a great way it's moving in a positive direction so We're really excited to say, hey, California's opening. This is what it's going to look like for you at the West event. This is what it's going to look like for you at an event in Illinois. Every state's different, right? So we've just been very consistent and focused on making sure that we're communicating all the updates and changes that people who might not be in California or Illinois or whatever state the event is hosted in might not be up to date with. So, and we're making sure our sales teams are calling our customers 
consistently just to get um, a sense of their comfort levels. Are they coming to the event in August? Mm-hmm. Are they still planning? And they are. I think 80% of our, the companies that usually exhibit at this West event, they're already signed up and they're ready to go. So it's all about communication. Haley, that's so interesting. Uh, I noticed that you were mentioning a little bit about your communications plan and how important it is to keep updating your customers as well as you know your whole community about changes and things like that. I'd love to know a little bit more about your marketing tactics for this in-person event. Now, I know that your your previous one was held in the beginning of 2020, but what I'd love to know is how have your marketing tactics for this upcoming event been adapted? And I say this knowing that there's been efficient remote work for many months. So how are you actually motivating those in-person attendees to get up off the couch or away from their home office and, and into a, a plane or a train or a car and attend your event? Yeah, yeah we're really focusing on the regional um, marketing. So in terms of digital marketing, we are assuming, maybe wrongly, that people aren't going to be traveling on a plane. Whether they want to, whether they're comfortable to, whether they have the budget is still probably very debatable. So. We're really targeting our digital marketing to the regional, to the states around the California um, state to make sure that our messages drive to a show that's the largest show in North America for advanced manufacturing and engineering. You're lucky enough to be able to drive to this, so this is a year to do so. So I think focusing on the regional and making sure that people know that they can drive. I'm interested to, to hear back from attendees or even people we talked to before the show, their behavior, do they want to come to the show for one day? Do they want to come for two days? Is someone who used to come to the show for three days, are they not going to come for three days? Is it just going to be a drive-in, drive-out scenario? So I'm interested to learn that behavior, and I think we're actually hoping to learn that before we get to the event. So we're asking the questions. Are you planning to attend the show for... How many days? We don't necessarily ask that question, which is good insight in any year. So I, I think that'll help us really formulate or like if they're coming for a day and they're coming for this day, this is what the need to know content that they'll be available on that day. So we'll actually be carving out more unique marketing campaigns per personas, pair groups of behavior so that we know if they're coming on a Tuesday, they want this. If they want to see 3D printing and they're coming on a Tuesday, we'll really redirect them to the, the, the conference and the exhibitors that they will want to see within that area of interest. So that's certainly something we'll be focusing on geo, regional for digital marketing, but we'll also be doing more specific persona, behavior type marketing when we learn more about what they want when they answer the questions through the registration. So much so, so much important. to unpack there, Haley, in terms of the, the user experience as well that we use to events, right? You mentioned that, you know, an event that usually went about three days, now it's probably going to be just one. And, and obviously there are considerations yeah. when you think about the attendee journey and the customer satisfaction there. 
in terms of what do you plan? What's left of the networking activities that probably happen at night? I'm thinking, you know, at the NM Convention Center, you were planning, I'm sure, that all those food trucks that they usually put between the two hotels on the leadway to the convention center and all of that. So, you know, you have to redefine all of that and the weight that those have. But taking a step back, you mentioned things are changing quite aggressively in California right now, in a positive sense, in terms of taking off limitations that, you know, are still in place. I mean, we're just getting a lot of news from Europe where there's a plan of events going back in person. So they're going to be one-tenth of the capacity with a lot of restrictions in place. So completely different scenario here. You mentioned items such as vaccinations. Can you tell us more about the policy on that, if you're going to have a policy? And in general, like, why are you thinking in terms of demanding attendees to show some sort of proof to get in? Is it going to be testing? Is it going to be vaccination? So that when they either show one of those, they can do whatever they want once they're inside. So what's your strategy around that? Do you have a, a COVID manager? Because I know some events are kind of having that. What's your approach? Yeah, Angelius, we actually have a fantastic vice president of operations who actually oversees all of our events in a high level. And he's our COVID manager for the most part, alongside everyone else within the operations team. But we've really leaned on our operations team because they are the best team that understand the logistics, the flow, like what it takes to actually get people from, you know, outside the convention center to inside the halls and everything in between. So they have experience already with other portfolios within Informa and that's the great thing about working with a company for Informa and um, you're getting so much experience even before you know we launch our event in August we had a magic show in February I think yes in Orlando we actually did all on-site testing so rapid testing for everyone there because at that point in time that's what people wanted to see what we needed to do and what was the kind of industry standard at that point? That was the expectation in February when not so many people had their vaccines yet. So that made sense. So we're still working on the plan, quite honestly, with how we're actually going to capture the vaccine records and the negative testing. It's definitely shifted from rapid testing in February to proof of negative test or proof of vaccination. How we do that, we're still actually working on. Is it going to be that little paper card? I don't know. Probably not. It's probably going to be an app, right? And I know there's going to be a couple of apps out there that we can utilize, that we can probably, hopefully, integrate within our event app. So I would like to think there will be a point where someone walks in, they show their vaccine record on their app or their proof of negative testing on the app, show their ID, they walk in, they either pick up a contactless badge or we don't have a badge and they just walk in. So we're, we're really at the beginning of making sure that we understand the recent updates and changes and then how that's going to be implemented within our events. But my gut feeling is we're going to be ready for an app. It's not going to be that cardboard piece of paper that everyone's going to lose. I'm already like, where is it in my house? Never mind taking it somewhere everybody can make their own as well it's like probably the easiest forgery document you can do in your <laughs> life uh, yeah. it's, it's just uh, unbelievable that we have a piece of paper in 2021 swap card believes in events without borders which is why we're the leading all-in-one platform for virtual hybrid and in-person events 
When it comes to using artificial intelligence, Swapcard is also ahead of the curve. Event organizers such as South by Southwest, Informa, and Clarion love Swapcard's true AI. These algorithms are tailored to create a positive and beneficial user journey on the platform. These are only a few of the benefits Swapcard's platform has to offer. Email us at podcast at swapcard.com to book a demo and see how Swapcard can help you successfully run your event without borders. That's the thing as well. I mean, I went into my local CVS, I had my appointment, I didn't even have to show my license and I said my name and they had it on the list. So yeah, there's not, there's definitely that. So maybe there's even a layer of verification before we get to the app, but I'm sure someone else will figure that out and we can utilize that technology. And I love the idea of kind of going around the event technology lens, especially as we're starting to kind of re-enter this world of in-person events and coming out of a time when being so virtually heavy, we approached everything in such a data and analytic focused mindset. So really, as we're kind of looking at these tools um, at our disposal and really how many of these organizers now have so much more information and details potentially on their audience to host these larger scale experiences, you know, how are you really approaching data analytics as a tool, first off, but also as a way to try and evolve that customer journey to take it to the next level? It's a difficult one. I think we're at the point in time where we've given so much data to our clients and sponsors on the virtual events and the hybrid events that when they get to the live event and they've paid for this big banner and they're like, who exactly looked at that banner? (laughs) We don't know. So I think there's going to be a discussion to be had. What's the value of, or how do you measure the value rather of these on-site, very visual, branding opportunities versus something in a virtual environment that you can get so many different stats from. So I I think there's a gap there that I would like some answers to, to Bob. I think there's going to be, and certain industries are going to want certain different things. I work for engineering. I work for manufacturing. The event in Anaheim or West event we're getting rid of event guides. We're like, it's time. It's They're gone. Get the app. We're, we're all going to be okay. But we're definitely still having conversations about the badges. Um, you know, some industries are ready to be like, we don't need a badge. And some industries are not. So even that technology, and if you don't have a badge and you're having to show your phone to get scanned, and that's another layer of like, can I ha- get your phone to get scanned? Not just mm-hmm. can I quickly scan your badge that's already there. I think that's going to be challenging. My plan is to still have badges at the West event, but the way that you pick them up is going to be different. You're not going to go to a laptop and print your badge yourself. It's going to be contactless. But I definitely think the technology when it comes to lead lead capture on site, we have to be very careful when we're talking about badgeless. We have to have a really good plan and technology around that, which I'm not sure we're ready yet. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of what you were referencing there is really kind of focusing on it. It truly is an evolution where a lot of the things that even as you know, we have decades of in-person event experience, but it's going to be something where we're going to have to kind of test and ideate to see, okay, how do we take almost this standard that has uh, been developed over the past year 
and see what makes most sense. Not maybe from an industry standpoint, but for like what you're referencing, Haley, for your specific audience that you're planning for. Yeah, absolutely. And there can be differences there too. And again, working with a large company that covers every single industry and every single nation, we're learning every week, like this is working, this is not working. Um, I'm really looking forward to going to our event in Vegas, Worlds of Concrete in June, which is I think the one of the first events in Vegas in June and seeing how they do things. It's a different state, there'll be different regulations, but I think when it comes to on-site technology and what we're asking our exhibitors to be comfortable with because of COVID, because of the restrictions, and basically because we want to try these things. We've wanted to get rid of badges for years. We wanted to get rid of event guides for years. Again, like everything, it's just propelled our focus on providing better technology to overcome the, you know, the objections that we would have got if we removed them two years ago. Such a great point, Haley. there. You know, I just got a link this morning from a research that was done in the UK by LinkedIn, and uh, they're saying within the research that 45% of future B2B events will be completely virtual. That's what they asked to 200 B2B event organizers in the UK. This is a staggering percentage. I mean, it's still a small sample, but, you know, it is LinkedIn, so I assume the sample has been picked up quite carefully. And a couple of things that came up from our discussion is how you're thinking local for the big events annually. What happens is the question in terms of the rest of the community that it's either cut off because it's uh, not local and still can't or does not want to travel, even nationally and obviously internationally as well. Even though, obviously, I remember having a conversation on this one with you and saying that this is probably a more national show than an international one, so it's not necessarily a big deal. But I'm sure within your portfolio or outside portfolios, there's going to be the case of international travel and what is the impact of that. So I know you're doing some sort of virtual activation around the show that is not necessarily concurrent with it. But what's your general feeling and approach in terms of, like, including these people that are necessarily cut off of the conversation and you know the role of virtual going forward. I'm not even touching hybrid. I'll leave all our listeners to actually tune in into your podcast where we did a great episode on that and specifically on hybrid. Yeah. First of all, I, I like to get the reports and data points from, you know, the surveys that a lot of really amazing companies are doing like LinkedIn. But those 45%, I think you said, of events that want to go virtual, I would like to see, like, are they making money live? If they're not making a good margin, yeah, don't do it. Like, if you're not making money at a live event, there might have been, they might be on the cusp of this is going to transform a really a negative event to more of a positive event. So I, I, not that they'll probably give us that information, but I think... You know, some events aren't healthy and they're on the cusp of dying. So this is a great, you know, way to kind of resurrect your event without having to really put more money into it in terms of food and beverage and pizzazz and all the cool stuff that you kind of think that you need when you're at that point in time, when your event's on the edge of death, unfortunately. So that's one thing. I think if you have a healthy event live, you're not turning it virtual. The money's not there. So that's one thing. For us, for our event, we don't want to jeopardize our live event in any way. So our plan 
is to really go forward with attendee marketing and make sure that we get as many people at the event as possible. And then afterwards, we will actually be announcing that we're going to have a West Plus edition of the event. So all the exhibitors that couldn't make it for whatever reason, if they didn't want to, if they didn't have the budget or they just couldn't travel, they're being invite invited along with the exhibitors that came to the event to another event that's happening across a month after the show. So after we trade in mid-August, we'll be launching this event, which will be a month long, inviting people who couldn't come as exhibitors to be an exhibitor at this virtual monthly show. And we're going to position our international clients in a large way there too. So we know that they won't be at the show live. We want them to be part of our community this year. So we're going to invite them to this plus event. So it's in a sense a delayed hybrid. But what we're trialing is instead of having dedicated days of like intense nine to five for two days virtually, which I don't believe that will be good with when it comes to August, September, when we go back to normal, people don't want to sit down for two days straight watching their screen. I just don't think we might be back in the office come September, come October. I don't know how that looks to you guys, but I can't imagine me sitting at my desk watching a virtual event for two days. That's not going to happen. So we're trialing this kind of smaller, like drip effect, like, oh, here's some content that you missed at the show. Oh, here's a keynote that's actually new to virtual. And we're going to have everyone come together for one day, have all the sponsored content for that one day, and then really focus on the on-demand marketing. What we've realized over time is that the virtual events, they don't just happen over two days. And it honestly took me the longest time to figure that out. So after those two days, like it, it lives beyond that and it lives before it too. And we're gonna make the most of that month and then focus one day on everyone coming together. And that will address, hopefully, the people who can attend or the people who can exhibit. No, I absolutely love it. And I think it's going to be something that we'll be seeing from pretty much a lot of organizers if looking at, okay, how do we take everything that is this finite period that is in-person experiences and how do we begin to expand and layer on, you know, the couple benefits that we've really been seeing with virtual experiences to really drive that. And Obviously, throughout the conversation uh, today, Haley, thank you very much for sharing all of that incredible insight on your West event, as well as the others that you are hosting and producing here this year. To our audience, wanted to thank you very much for your time again. And our guest, as always, Haley Haggerty, who is the Group Event Director at Informal Markets. Haley, thank you very much again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Inside Events Podcast by Swapcard. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions or would like to access a special discount just for our podcast listeners, send a message to podcast at swapcard.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Inside Events.